What's your framework for starting up a conversation with someone? Does that sound weird? Like <laughs> that might sound like a weird question. Like you have two or three steps that you've developed in your mind over time that this is how I start up a conversation or what I do when I first meet someone. The reason I'm bringing this up is I found myself in a conversation the other day with my relatively shy freshman in high school son. So he's 14 going into high school. He's not super comfortable um, socially yet. And I mean, he's he's awesome in so many ways, but he's not like the guy that's going to go out in, 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 in a class and just introduce himself to everybody. That's not this son. I have other kids like that, but that's not, that's not my, uh, my 14 year old. And so I found myself the other day giving him, teaching him a framework. So I want to share it with you. And one of the reasons I want to do it is I think so many leaders stink at this. Like they're so bad at it, adults. And so I want to share with you my framework for meeting people or introducing myself to them. See what you think about it. This is the Decide to Lead podcast, the podcast for those who've made the decision to lead and are looking for ways to more effectively influence other people so they can accelerate results. Welcome in. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with Russ Hill. We have created a private Facebook group for people who are interested in becoming better at leading their team. So how do you more effectively manage the way that the members of your team think and act so that you can impact the results you've got to deliver? If you'd like to join the the private Facebook group, go to theculturechampions.com and that will automatically forward you to the Facebook group page where you can click to join, theculturechampions.com. Okay, so this is, you know, one of the one of the aspects of my job that I love the most is one of the aspects of my job that I hate the most, and that is meeting new people. And my background, as some of you know, who have gotten to know me over these episodes or a few of you who listen that I know actually in person. Uh, hi, mom, by, <laughs> by the way, those of you who are related to me or I know personally or I met over the years or you've listened for, to this podcast over the last two years, you, you probably know my background of, of how I grew up shy. I was very uncomfortable. I didn't have confidence I was the kid in school who never raised his hand, never spoke up. And I've told the story in previous episodes of how that changed and of the person in my life who ultimately started that change, who I'll forever be in debt to. And so um, so I can relate to not being super comfortable starting up conversations, but as the older I've gotten, the more comfortable I've, I've gotten around that. And I can be Look, I love, there's there's probably nothing that I enjoy more than being on the stage in front of people. And the larger the crowd, the better. My favorite events that I've done in my career over the last several years is I've traveled the world coaching and consulting leaders like you who are working to manage their culture so they can you know deliver the results they've got to deliver and grow their influence, grow their impact, grow their careers. What, what my favorite thing to do is to be on a stage with two or 3,000 people in the room. You don't typically get business meetings that are bigger than that. And usually most of my meetings are a hundred people, you know, back when we were on site, but even virtually now with all these zoom meetings that I, I find myself doing each week with our clients, 
Usually it's 10 people, 10 senior executives that are in the Zoom meeting or in the room, or it's 150 or max it's, you know, 250, 300. And then a few times a year, we'll go to a conference or a, uh, a meeting of thousands of sales reps for, for a global company. And I'll find myself on the stage. And that to me is, oh my gosh, it's like the ultimate drug that has no side effect, right? I love it. The bigger the crowd, the better. So I, I'm very comfortable being outgoing, engaging, extroverted in a setting like that. And then I'm like the ultimate introvert in so many other settings. Because when I get off the stage, I really don't have a desire to be around a lot of other people. It's not that I don't enjoy it. I enjoy a set of friends and different people. And I, I enjoy being social and interacting with people. But not all the time. Like I have some friends, I'm sure you, some of you are this way, where you love being around people all the time. That's not me. I really like being at home, reading a book or hanging out with my kids or playing a board game or being with a few friends and doing stuff like that. And then every once in a while, every week or two or three or whatever, then put me on a stage or, and this is the same, like in the media, when I was back in the media business, you know, I'd, I'd be on the air. Um, for instance, I hosted, um, the noon news with Russ Hill at KSL in Salt Lake City for several years, the noon news. And so I was on with hundreds of thousands of people listening. Our audience uh, for that hour was hundreds of thousands of people. And I was extremely comfortable with that. I could be reporting live from the Olympic Games or covering, you know, a major news event in front of a lot of people, totally comfortable, but yet not so I, I could be extrovert, but I'm also introvert, I guess is, is what I'm trying to paint for you. So I relate to both. Okay. And, um, one of my sons, my 14 year old, who's just starting his freshman year in high school is, uh, he is the most like me when I was in high school, my two oldest kids, total extroverts that the, they just, they walk into a room, they're introducing themselves to everybody. And I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. They aren't quite that much, but they're pretty comfortable. They're both in student council. They've run for election. They've been elected. They, they've been in leadership positions at church and in community groups and all these different things. So they're very comfortable in that. My third, my child, my 14-year-old, my which by the way, I was the third child. So that's kind of interesting, the middle child. I don't know if that's part of it, but he's not as, he's a little bit more uncomfortable. He hasn't gotten to that spot where I ultimately found myself comfortable with other people and meeting new people. And so the other day, um, my daughter and I, my daughter's going into her senior year. So she's the senior in high school, kind of taking care of my freshman in high school. And I, I, we were in a social setting and my 14 year old was clearly uncomfortable and wasn't, wasn't, it was making it hard for someone else to have a conversation with him. So we got back home and I started giving him some coaching. I'm like, Hey, just a couple of tips on how that might go better or how you might make other people what, what comfortable. Why did you answer the questions that that person asked you this way? And uh, he really had zero, <laughs> like zero, zero interest in the, the counseling and coaching and advice his dad was given to him at that moment. And my daughter joined in with me and she was relating to him, hey, this advice dad gave me a few years ago was game changing for me. And so you ought to listen to this and whatever else. And uh, so I thought, you know what? I want to share this with you and see if you've thought about this um, and if you have a framework. And if you don't, it might be fun to develop one. I found it useful. Maybe just nerds like me need it. But for me, it's been useful. And then um, 
And then my my second reason I wanted to talk about this is because so many leaders that I meet stink at this. So I said a few minutes ago that part of my job that I love the most is meeting new people because I get access to these senior leaders of Fortune 100 companies names that you would recognize of companies and the people who are at the very top of those organizations that have spent 20 or 30 years getting to those top spots or been recruited over from this company or that company you'd recognize. And so I've got access to them. So it's so cool to meet and interact with them. And then you've got all these mid-level managers that I've got access to because I'm listening to the challenges that they're dealing with. And that, you know, that informs a lot of what I'm studying and what I'm reading and what I'm talking about on this podcast. And so I love the, the benefits I get out of having those conversations and meeting new people. The downside of it is that there are some people who have, they don't even fake it. They have zero interest in anybody other than themselves. I'm sorry. That's the best way I can describe it. Like you meet them and it's like, wow, You really do want me to kiss your brass ring. You think you're all that, don't you? Wow, you are. I don't know that I didn't know that much arrogance could be packaged into one person. Right. And it's not always arrogance. I'm being I'm I'm being a little extreme here, but they're just you know what I'm talking about. There's some people you meet and you're like, wow, that just was not a pleasant experience. And so in my line of work, I find myself in those settings Fortunately, not a lot of times, but in, in enough to make it where eh, I hate that part of my job, meeting those people. So to help us avoid being those people, I, this framework could be helpful for, for you as well. So here's my framework. This is what I taught my son. It's very basic. So I said, when you meet somebody new and they say to you, hey, how you doing? What you have to do is answer in a way that gives them something to react to. So here's how the conversation went as he was engaged in it. Hey, how you doing? This is the conversation we had before we came home. And this is how it played out. Hey, how you doing? And he said, good, I guess. You know, kind of an awkward 14-year-old. Good, I guess. And that was in one conversation. The next conversation, somebody else came up to him and said, hey, how you doing? And he said, I don't know. I'm like, oh my gosh. You can't do that. You have to give me something more than good. Okay. I don't know. I have nothing. I don't know where to go with that. So I was explaining to my son, I'm like, you have to say something different than that because they don't know what to do. And so then you think, well, people don't like talking to me. You could think that people don't like talking to me because they don't say much to me and then they don't hang around me if they're my age or whatever else. And and it's not because of you. It's not because they're assessing that you're of little value or they don't like you. It's because the conversation is hard. And so it's our job to make it easier. So I told him this, I said, here, the, here's what I would do. Always answer any question with two sentences. How you doing? Good. Yeah, I'm doing really well. I, I'm really enjoying the weather. I mean, it could be as basic as that, right? And the second sentence, and it doesn't have to be two sentences, but that's an easy framework for me to teach. The second sentence, what you're doing is you're lobbing a softball. You're giving the other person something to respond to. So, uh, so it could be, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, we, you you know, we, we had an awesome vacation last week and I'm still just thriving off of it. Now we've got something to talk about. You've made it easier 
for me to engage with you. And so you've lobbed me a softball. Now I can swing at it. And my teenage daughter was like, yeah, dad, that's exactly right. That's so helpful. I found that to be super helpful. I find it on dates all the time. When I'm in the car with a guy and when I, it's the second sentence, if I don't know him that well, I do that. And then that gets the conversation going. I said, okay, well, here's the second part of it. So the first part of the framework is answer with two sentences. The second sentence is something for them to react to. Okay. Then, then they respond to that. And then the next response from you is a question, always a question, okay? Because, and this goes into like how to win friends and influence people, right? By Dale Carnegie, that book, that landmark book that hopefully you've read. If you haven't, oh my gosh, how, how, how haven't you? And, and, you know, there are other books and teachings on this, but my dad was the one who really taught me this growing up. He's, he, he taught us as kids. He's like, you guys, if you want to have friends, you need to realize the way you, you, you do that is you get other people talking about themselves. People love to talk about themselves. And so how do you get them to talk about themselves? Well, you ask them questions. And so um, I'm so grateful that my dad taught me that years ago that, okay, turn the conversation to them and they will really find the conversation engaging. It's funny. People walk away from conversations like, wow, I really enjoyed talking with Russ or whomever. And I'm thinking, yeah, all we did was talk about you. <laughs> That's all we did. I just kept asking you question after question after question. And for 30 minutes, we sat there and talked about you. More on that in a moment, right? How to solve that problem, because that is a problem if you're on the other end of that. So framework is step one is respond with two sentences. The second sentence, give them something to respond to to get the conversation going. They will thoroughly enjoy talking with you so much more. You'll find people engaging with you so much more if you do that. Then when they respond, you then turn it back the next time you respond with a question. So here's how I suggest this to my son. So somebody was asking him, this is how the conversation went. I'm going to play it out first, how it went, and then I'm going to play it out how I, it could have gone better. Hey, how you doing? I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, are you getting ready for school? Yeah, are you, you know, school starting really soon. What are you thinking about school? Yeah, it's, um, it's, I'm not, I'm not, um, excited about it. Okay, that's how the conversation went. That is tough on the other end. You're not giving me much to go with there. Here's how I told my son that could have gone. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I, we, we went swimming yesterday and it was awesome. And I'm, I'm still, you know, still loving that, whatever it is, right. Give them something to respond to. Then the person says, yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad you, I'm glad you got to do that. But Hey, how you, school starting up sooner. Are you, are you looking forward to school? Not really. I wish it wasn't online only. What are your, you know, what are your kids? What are they thinking? Are they, are they looking forward to it? This was an adult he was having a conversation with. What are your kids? So the question back. Now this thing's up. Now you've thrown logs on this baby. This fire is going to be roaring, right? Okay. And uh, so it's the question after. Don't just respond to their, their question. Ask a question. And then that gets going. And if you want the conversation to keep going, another question. 
Another question. Another question. Yeah, they're excited about online. Oh, what classes are they taking? Well, you know, I think Johnny's taking science and math. Oh, what, oh, what, what math class is he in this year? Well, he's in algebra. Yeah, you know what? I just I have such a, t- a tough time at math. I don't, are you guys good at math? Like, is your family good at math? Yeah. See how this goes? It's just question after question after question. So the, that's the whole framework. That's it. It's worked so well for me, you all. And I'm not the expert. <laughs> I'm not the expert at this at all. And and when I don't engage like this, it's because I'm just worn out and exhausted, and I I just don't have the energy to keep whatever. So, but I, this has helped me so much traveling the world over the last few years and meeting tens of thousands of new people, senior executives, CEOs, C-suite executives of massive corporations to frontline employees. And I'm just meeting them constantly, flying to this city, walking into that hotel ballroom, knowing no one, or just knowing that those two leaders or the CEOs there with this division. And I don't know any of the people in this division. You know, when I traveled to Australia, I there was nobody from that client that I knew in Australia. I've been on the phone with a couple of them, but then we're walking in there. Then I fly to New Zealand and no, don't know anybody at that location. Now I got to walk into that meeting. Then I'm flying to Singapore. Never met anybody in the room except for that one executive who's going to be kicking off the meeting. And this is all his Asian operation, all the leaders in the room. Don't know any of them. So this is a common scene for me. And now it's logging into a Zoom meeting there are a hundred people in here. I know two. So what, how do I, how do I engage? What do I do? So you've got the framework. I'm going to type it up in the show notes so you can swipe up. You can print that bad boy out, sell it for millions of dollars, and I won't even demand any credit. Okay. I'd be interested in, I don't know if many people have a framework. I'm kind of, that's actually going to be what my next episode is about framework. So we'll talk more about that um, in the next episode in, in a few days. But, um, this is my framework for meeting people. Now, let me get to the next point about leadership. Something that's my pet peeve that is why this is part of the part of part of my job that I dislike the most as well, meeting new people. And here's why. The reason is, so the people who are hardest to have a conversation with are the people who don't give you anything to respond to. Like my son was doing. How you doing? I don't know. Are you excited for school to begin? Not really. And then you're thinking, oh my gosh. I better, I better like take and have an energy drink because this next 10 minutes is going to require every ounce of blood sugar I got, right? You know what I'm talking about? Or my, well, as my daughter was explaining in the conversation, she's like, those are the worst dates. They, they, take, they go on forever. Can't you remember that back when you were younger? Like those dates, it's like, oh, you're exhausted. You never I don't care how good looking the person is. I don't want to be in the car with them ever again because that was so labor intensive. Okay, so that that's complaint number one when people don't give you anything to respond to. Complaint number two or challenge number two that makes it really hard to talk to somebody is when you respond with that question that I'm advocating and they respond with information but they never do what? What do they never do that makes a conversation hard? You can guess this, right? So you're asking questions. So what about your kids? Are they excited to go back to, are they excited about online school? What about this? And you keep asking them questions. What do they never do back? Yeah, they never ask you a question 
Oh, those are the worst conversations. I can't stand them. Some people, like there are so many people I want to play this podcast for because they stink at that and they don't realize how it's affecting other people's perceptions of them. Now, I do that sometimes, but intentionally because I want the conversation. I'm exhausted. I'm walking out of the hotel ballroom, going back to my hotel room. I've just interacted for the last eight hours and three people come up to me and I, I apologize, but I just, I'm done. And so I'm not really, I, I don't have the energy right now to keep that conversation going. Fortunately, that doesn't happen a lot, but that's when I don't ask questions. Most of the time I try to do that because it's pleasant, right? But there are people who just stink at this. You know what I'm talking about? So you, you, ask, you ask them a question and, and 30 minutes later, or you meet them at a dinner party or whatever, and, and 30 minutes later, 15 minutes later, you realize they know nothing about you. Nothing but you know tons about them. Don't let your yourself be that person. I have to check myself on that because we love to talk about ourselves. Somebody, especially back in my media days when I worked in the media business, they would say, oh, Rush, you went over and you covered that, that, that tsunami. Man, you got to tell me that. I've got these killer stories. Like they can't beat my story of hitchhiking on an airstrip in Indonesia, which I talked about two or three episodes ago, right? You can't beat that story or there are very few people who can. You can't beat my story of interviewing the, the three medalists at the first time that snowboarding was in the Olympic Games, I was there and I, I, I interviewed the gold medalist, silver medalist, bronze medalist. My wife and I, we went to the, the medal ceremonies time and time again. I got to meet Bill Clinton. I've met George Bush. I've met Barack Obama. Met, you can't beat some of these stories. So back in my media days, I would tell these stories and people would be so interested. And then, I, then I would discover, oh, crap, Russ. You've just spent 10 minutes telling that story and they aren't talking. You, you got to, okay, in this story and ask a question. And what I would discover a lot of times is I would, then I would ask the question, yeah, you know, so it was a really interesting experience over in Indonesia. By the way, have, have you guys traveled much? Have you ever been to whatever? And what I would discover is it's almost like they were dying for that question. Because they responded instantly like, yeah, you know what? We have. I've been over to Thailand and I've been to Vietnam or whatever. Or no, I've really wanted to go for a long time. And now I'm asking two, three, four, five questions in a row, getting them talking. Because I know if they walk away from the conversation, having said a lot, they're going to view that as a good conversation. Just period. End of story. So a framework, what I wanted to get to in this episode today, a framework that may or may not be helpful to you in meeting new people. I found myself teaching my son about it. And, and so it's back on my mind. And then, um, how do you avoid being that person that the other one's going, Oh, get me out of this conversation. And that is ask, make sure right away, as soon as possible in the conversation that you're asking questions. And this isn't even, this isn't just true of meeting someone, right? That's not just anytime you see someone, you go to dinner with some friends Okay, they're going to ask you some questions. Tell that killer story or two, and then as quick as you can, it's questions back to them. So this is my, um, <laughs> it's so funny to me to do this episode because I am so far from the extrovert um, engaging conversation specialist. Um, I am not that guy. I am not that person, but yet I felt passionate about a couple of these things. 
And uh, I thought I'd I thought I'm, I'd offer them to you. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, tap on the button. It's right below or to the side. Swipe up, swipe over, whatever podcast app you're doing. Tap on subscribe every time a new podcast episode comes out, which is Mondays and Wednesdays right now. You'll get them delivered dim- directly to your cell phone. I would so appreciate it if you would leave a review or a rating as well. We've been doing, I've been doing a pathetic job asking for those over the last two years, and I need to get those up. Otherwise, we are going to look as pathetic as we look right now. Not that it really matters, but some people like reading those as they discover new podcasts. All right, that's all for this, uh, this episode. Hope you're healthy, hope you're doing well, and we'll talk to you soon.